Pat Mayo here on Daily Fantasy Sports, Picks and Bets, The Mix. Please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Also, don't forget to smash the like button for this episode. You give me a winner. Who's coming in round four to take the crown at the 2021 Arnold Palmer Invitational? Because I'm going to be going over the stats, care of fantasynational.com. Masters coming very soon, so get yourself the membership at fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself that 20% discount. So DraftKings and all of the bets from DraftKings Sportsbook to see if we can try to find ourselves a winner. I probably won't be reinvesting too heavily, although I did save a bullet for Sunday, but I chipped away at that by being like, hey, I'll bet 4,000 to 1 on Danny Lee and then 400 to 1 on Danny Lee. And then Danny Lee takes a big shit on my chest and that's about what happens. But how good was Saturday at Bay Hill. It was incredible. We had the Spieth birdie to kick things off, the Spieth hole-in-one, and then in the water, and then a 40-foot save on the next hole. It was incredible. It was a, as for as much shit that I have given Jordan Spieth over the past three years or so, there's something about having money on other people that aren't him, and then watching him do this, it feels like you're going to lose. And I don't think that Spieth is going to win on Sunday, but it's just one of those things when... Everything starts breaking right for him. It is incredible what he's able to pull off. We're not even talking about the 25-foot par saves or the chip-in birdies from the bunker because he's not even in first place at the moment that we get into right now. Like Just taking a look at the very top of the leaderboard, like when it comes down to it, in these positions over the past two and a half, three years, Bryson has been the best at closing the door in these spots. When in contention, on Sundays, Bryson tends to bring his A game, so it's pretty terrifying if you don't have Bryson, like myself, and you watch him run away with everything. It seems like there's nothing that he can't do at this point. That doesn't mean he's going to win, obviously, but just in those circumstances, being a stroke off the lead going into the final round with the leader being Lee Westwood, like good on Lee Westwood. He had an amazing seven under round on Saturday, but can that keep up again? I mean, crazier things have happened, but out of all of the talent jammed at the top of that leaderboard, it's going to be really tough for him to hold on to this lead. It feels like whoever and I guess we'll talk about the weather here in a second because it looks like it could get pretty dicey let's say it's just neutral conditions we know this course is giving up 64s and 65s essentially if you're at minus six or lower so minus seven minus eight minus nine minus ten minus eleven and you shoot your 65 64 you're probably still going to win it's going to be tougher for like the Hattons at minus six like you get to 12 under with your 66 like that might not be good enough obviously with guys already at minus 11 but it was nice to see that no one beyond Lee Westwood getting to that minus 11 number just kept everyone back like Rory missing that eagle putt on 16 and then missing the short one on 18 like just wherever you can shave off strokes from everyone else that you're currently chasing the better it's going to be to really cluster everything on Sunday so there's a giant pack of players who could actually come back and win this and if you do have runners like I know a lot of us myself included have Matthew Fitzpatrick he's at minus five I don't expect him to win whatsoever but if the wind and the weather does play a critical element on Sunday you could be looking at a situation where if you can shoot 70 maybe 69 and everyone else starts having problems you can get back into this very quickly so some of those top 20s some of those top eights top fives aren't necessarily out of the question and if we do get extreme weather then it's going to be a problem for a lot of players so let's switch over to the weather just very briefly and look at the super forecast 
This from the Orlando Executive Airport. Not exactly right next to the course, but there is very little that is right next to the course. This was Saturday, as you can see, like overnight, you know, if they were playing at 7 p.m. Eastern time, which they were not, then it was going to be pretty problematic with wind gusts up to 41 miles per hour. So this is what we're looking at for Sunday. Uh, Pretty constant windy conditions all day it's not going to be super warm it's going to be in the you know high 50s to start the day low 60s most of the day in terms of temperature with steady wind gusts all day long starting at 7 a.m eastern time with 28 mile per hour wind gusts all the way i mean it's funny because the wind progressively gets higher throughout the course of the day on a consistent level but the gusts are at least projected to go down so when the leaders tee off around one o'clock you're looking at constant 17 mile per hour winds 21 mile per hour wind gusts uh and if they start getting up higher and listen this is the weather this is more unpredictable than golf when it really comes down to it. So this is a situation where if the wind does play a critical factor, it's really going to depend on can your guys get up and down? Are they the ones making their 15-foot putts? That's why I actually like Hatton in the circumstance. Now, I am personally invested in Tyrrell Hatton in the circumstance, grabbing him after round one at 750 to one. Just come inside the top five, Tyrrell, and we'll be good. But he's gotten better every single day, and he's basically yet to make a putt. I don't think he's gained over a stroke putting in any single round, and he lost four and a half day one, but he's gone five over, minus five, minus six. If this does become one of these circumstances where you know a 69, 68 can come through because the leaders have a bad go of it in terms of the weather, then you get into the clubhouse in minus 10 and you take your chances. If it comes down to him having to shoot the 64 and getting to 14 under, maybe... That should be good enough, but if that's going to be the case where 64s are available, I think there's still like 10 people ahead of them where one of those guys could go shoot a 66 and go out and beat them. So it's a very narrow path for someone like him. Uh, and if you have Rory, you got to feel bad at this point because he, those two strokes were really a big swing for him. Uh, he ends up with the birdie on 16, but if he gets that eagle, it's going to be so huge. But let's talk through the betting odds just for a second and see where everyone is sitting at on DraftKingsSportsBook.com. Bryson, plus 225. Lee Westwood, 4-1 to one the leader. 5.5-1 to one Corey Connors. We got... What I hope isn't what's in store for Corey Connors on Sunday on the 16th hole when he he just flew it slightly over the green on the par five on a second shot, chipping for eagle, leaves the chip hilariously short, misses the birdie putt. Like that's what happens with Corey Connors when I have money on him. That's never a great sign. Spieth, six to one, Keegan eleven, Fleetwood eleven. Rory 11, then you got Hatton at 33. That's not a great number for Hatton, to be perfectly honest, 33 to 1. Um, That's not indicative of what his actual chance of winning this tournament is. I'd probably end up going down. I'll probably have to throw something on the Gim Reaper at 66 to 1 and just hope it translates into Sunday and he can get out. Charlie Hoffman at 80 to 1 isn't the craziest thing in the world either. Both those guys had incredible Saturdays, and you'd always think that there's going to be a letdown in those circumstances the following day, but They're guys that can get extremely hot. This is really the first time we've seen Doug Gim come through on Bermuda, like really get into these Florida courses as a guy that we have our eye on. And he's not that far back. So uh, out of all of the guys in that little mini tier that we're looking at someone like Doug Gim, I could give a 66 to one and 80 to one, just two like mini bullets to see if we can recoup some money for the week. If, Hatton or Fitzpatrick can't come through. Fitzpatrick's just nowhere to be found on those 90 to 1. Ugh, him and Sung Jay. Just two very disappointing rounds on Saturday. But let's talk about the DraftKings side of things for 
um, Sunday at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Lineup lock is around 7.30 a.m. Eastern time, so you're going to have to have your lineups in pretty early. You can always generate your lineups on fantasynational.com. But what I really want to look for is the in-tournament stats. You just click up on the tab on fantasynational.com. Once again, fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself that discount. Oh, I didn't realize the Charlie was actually at 6. I thought he was at 7. Gim is at 7. So when you're thinking about someone like Hatton or Hoffman, you know that Hatton is the superior player to Charlie Hoffman in any given round. What you're looking for here is someone to go and have an outlier round. And we know that Hoffman can do that. So seeing his odds almost three times what Hatton's are, like that actually makes a bit more sense to me to just say, you know what, uh, just go with the three times odds and hope to get lucky on something like that, if that's something you want to get into. So let's just isolate by round three only and take a look at the total numbers of what we're looking at here of the guys near the top. How did they do it? Well, Connors couldn't hit an approach and was saved by his putting a little bit. I mean, 0.5 strokes putting for Corey Connors is like 8,000 strokes putting for anyone else. Gim did a lot of it. Nah, I guess Gim was a lot of putting. Jazz had the whole. Jazz had a hole in one and was still only plus 1.8 strokes on approach, which kind of tells you is not that great for him the rest of the round. And he did almost gain two strokes putting as well. I just look at Hatton's numbers. Like, everything he gained 0.2 strokes putting, four ball striking, 4.7 T to green. So that's what we want. We want our ball strikers. Hatton was the best. Keith Mitchell was second best. Then it was Westwood. Uh, I'm just very dubious that Westwood can put that together again. Maybe he has enough veteran guile that he can get through it and really make it happen. But for Hatton, in order to actually make this chase, he basically needs to replicate what he did in the ball striking category. Now, it doesn't need to be 3.1 strokes on approach. It could be two strokes on approach, two strokes off the tee. But he needs to have an outlier putting round. That's essentially what it comes down to. What Doug Gim did today, the 3.2 gain strokes putting, that's probably what you want to be targeting for him to have a shot to win this event. Like, he has to get hot with the putter. There's no more. I think all of his birdie putts today were inside six feet. Like, that's, that's not going to cut it, Tyrrell. You're going to have to make the 22-footers. I, I know it's not a regular occurrence, but you have to hope that this is the round that you get putt luck with him. Then all of a sudden, you're off to the races. So other guys we can kind of look at. Sort by strokes game ball striking here. And if it is in the wind, then maybe this plays a little bit differently, but you'd still want to go with your solid ball strikers and take your putt luck along with it. So Hatton and Mitchell, two players probably to target in round four showdown. I'm not too concerned about the winning points uh, unless... I guess you could play it one of the two ways, I suppose. If you think it's going to be super windy and the conditions are going to play tough and everyone's going to be overpowered, you probably do want to load up near the top and try to get those placements points because they're going to be ever so valuable. But if you do believe that there are 65, 66, 67s out there, you got to find those from somewhere in the pack. I mean, Bryson looked fantastic on Saturday and he barely made a putt. So that's the main reason that would lead me to believe that he's going to end up winning this thing when it comes down to it. He's going to be probably... Uh, you know, he's going to be your high price player if you're going to go into it. But Keith Mitchell is someone that you can look at for salary relief uh, in DraftKings shown. And at minus three, if he puts together like a 67, gets to minus eight. I don't know if he'll squeeze any points out of there, but he's going to go off a lot earlier than a lot of these guys. So maybe he ends up in a better wave than everyone else. Zella Torres as well. I mean, the, the guy all week 
Uh, I mean, the guy, he couldn't make a putt. Like, it was rather ridiculous. Him and Gooch uh, on Saturday could not make a putt whatsoever. Uh, but the ball striking was there. As you can see, they were both top 10 in ball striking for the day, and you hope that can translate back through. We've seen Will Z post some decent numbers on Sundays when he's kind of out of contention. So him and Keith Mitchell, both at minus three guys to look at in that situation. Grio was also up there, but you just never expect Grio to make his putts. So that becomes somewhat problematic. I bet you no one owns Keegan Bradley because him gaining a stroke putting in a round is like, yeah, that's never going to happen again. So he's going to lose eight tomorrow. But again, and, and almost three strokes gained around the green. Not a Keegan Bradley special, put it that way. And you see Chuck Hoffman. So this round for Charlie Hoffman is kind of what Hatton needs to replicate, but needs to make more putts in order for it to happen. But this round isn't insane. Like Hoffman, three strokes gained on approach, like that is going to be tough to replicate just in any given round. I'll put you on 12 strokes gained approach for the week. I mean, Hoffman's probably not going to do that, but... I am somewhat encouraged about what I see in that circumstance. Let's try to find some guys to avoid. Denny McCarthy, eh, just strike him right through. Gim, yeah, probably going to end up fading him as well. Bad round for Day. Duffner gaining two and a half strokes of putting. Eh, that's not going to happen again. Noren was actually in the mix. He finishes minus three. He was having a really nice day until he got to eight. He screwed up 16 pretty badly uh, and ended up with a par when he should have had a birdie and then just made a mockery of number 18, which kind of killed everything he was doing for the day. But again, if he and Grace especially are two players that if they get into bad conditions, they are two players who generally play well in bad conditions. Fitzpatrick, too. But Fitzpatrick, after going into the water, just had a crippling day with his irons. Rarely do you see him lose four strokes with his irons. That's something to keep in mind moving forward, too, when we think about how we assess strokes gained on some of these Florida courses, especially off the tee and on approach. Like the With water being such a prevalent element on these courses, it can really skew the strokes gained numbers. Uh, towards the negative. So, you know, Fitzpatrick doesn't put it in the water tomorrow. All of a sudden, he's four strokes better than he was today. So he's put nine holes together almost in each round and then had a really bad nine or a very mediocre nine. So I wonder if he can get it back going. Spieth lost a bunch off the tee. It was the first time I'll... In rounds one and three, sorry, he lost a bunch off the tee. Round two, he actually gained a bunch off the tee. I mean, Spieth is very much in this mix. He brings the magic beans tomorrow and starts making those putts. The irons have been amazing. So if he can just not kill himself off the tee, make the putts, hit the hit the irons, should be good to go. Although that 2.4, almost like Jazz, is heavily fostered by what is going on with his hole-in-one on hole two. So for showdown purposes, Keith Mitchell at the back end, Gucci Man at the back end, I think those are the two guys that I would roll with here. Uh, it's very shocking to see Patrick Rogers end up with you know, a round where he's minus. You could probably go with Patrick Rogers too, actually, come to think of it, because Jazz is going to be priced up a little bit more. Uh, I probably wouldn't bank on him just you know draining holes in one all the time. And you can get some guys back in the pack. That's where you can save some ownership. And at the top, I'd go Hatton. I'd go Bryson. That's the route that I'm looking at Charlie Hoffman to try to continue to pull this through. I think those are the plays along with Zalatoris um, coming through. Hopefully he can make a few of those putts. Who were the worst putters in the field just overall? Fowler was awful. Then Zalatoris. So ball striking wise, if we look at it. So three strokes game, ball striking for Zalatoris. Gooch was also up there. Danny Lee was actually also up there. Could not make a putt all day. Maybe he's another player that you can try to fill out the back end of your roster with. Other than that, yeah, Patrick Rogers. Eh, I wouldn't go to Tyler Duncan. I don't see that replicating itself. And then you have Kokrak and Keith Mitchell, too. Guys that didn't have horrendous days on the green, along with Grio and Harris English, uh, for that matter. But 
Keith Mitchell and Kokrak both gained over two strokes ball striking. So that is a spot where you might want to take a chance. Maybe even Kokrak. Uh, I saw him at, what was he, 55 to one. He's also in that minus six range. You just have to be so worried with some of these names at the top. Like you still have to pass Rory and Bryson and Spieth and then try to dodge an outlier around. Like maybe Connors ends up getting it back together. He has one of these days where he gains another stroke putting and his ball striking returns because he had an unexpectedly bad iron day so what you're doing is if you're chasing and you construct your rhyme you have to tell your line you have to tell yourself a story with a DraftKings lineup overall is it going to be a windy day we'll construct your lineups around a brutal conditions day and it doesn't seem like they're going to be like too too brutal but enough that it could blow some balls into the water and really fuck with a few people if you think it's going to play as an easier day you might want to try to load up on these guys that can make significant moves up the leaderboard so ran through the guys that I like I'm probably not going to be making any live bets at least right now um, maybe Charlie Hoffman I can kind of get behind, but eh, even that just seems like so big of a long shot with me being so terrified at Bryson at the top of the board. So I'll probably just roll in with what I go with, try not to lose any more money and cross my fingers and hope for a Keith Mitchell top 20 and maybe a Tyrrell Hatton top five, maybe a win. That would be very nice for old Pat Mayo. And a lot of you out there too, who I know have Hatton and jumped on him after round one at those hilariously long odds. I think it'd be the big, biggest comeback in golf history. So, you know, the only thing that can really foster that are super windy conditions and Hatton just having a great round. Well, everyone else does not. So let's pray for the wins and pray for that to happen. Become a member at fantasynational.com right now. Fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself the discount and subscribe to Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, the mix, all of the content up there for you. I do the one and done show up every week. There's also UFC, NASCAR. Uh, EPL Champions League earlier on in the week plus esports all short form content to get you the information that you need to know so please become a subscriber and tell some friends leave a review as well thanks for watching I'm Pat Mayo